This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnston. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll English. Episode number 283, baby. Oh yeah. In this episode we have something a little bit different, kind of. I speak to Charlie Baxter, again, from the British English Podcast, and we play a game. We play Room 101. Now, I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's a very famous TV programme in the UK. If you haven't heard of it, don't worry, because, well, I had heard of it, I have never watched it in my life. I'm sorry to admit I'm not very English. Did you know I've never seen a James Bond film? I do hope no one from the UK government is listening to this podcast as I may lose my passport now I have admitted I have never seen a James Bond film. Anyway, back to Room 101. In a few words, the idea of the show is you put something in this room room 101, which you want banned from the world. Okay, it will go into room 101 and disappear forever. So, for example, if you don't like rock and roll English, you put it in room 101 and it disappears forever. If you actually don't like rock and roll English, then obviously please just stop listening to the podcast. Please don't put me in room 101. Anyway, the show like the episode, is divided into three parts. In the first part of the episode, Charlie has prepared some things to put in room 101, things he wants banned from the world, which he sent me before the pod, so I had time to actually look at them. We discuss them and I decide whether to put them in room 101 or not. Part two, he suggests some more things for me, but I haven't seen them, so it's like without preparation. And number three, we look at things other people have put in room 101. So in this episode, Charlie suggests things to put in room 101, but we also recorded a podcast for his podcast where I chose the things to put in room 101. So make sure you check out that episode I think he told me it will be out on Wednesday or Thursday this week, the British English podcast. So, yes, the show is divided into three parts. Obviously, part one now. Part two and three will be in the Rock and Roll English Family podcast, also known as the membership, I suppose. Speaking of which, I opened it two weeks ago, but I have done absolutely nothing. I haven't even sent an email to people to tell them It's open because I've been so busy with the new pronunciation course. So it will stay open for another 10 days. Remember, there are more than 900 episodes, weekly live lessons where we meet online and chat like real people. Video lessons, a very, very active and wonderful Facebook group where we speak every day and lots of other amazing things. So if you go to rockandrollenglish.com slash family, you will see all of the things we do there. One other thing is record a podcast with me, which I've been doing recently with group members. Anyway, here is the episode. I have actually cut out the boring hellos also so the transcript is shorter. Just a quick couple of warnings though. 
One important word of the episode is the word bender. Okay, so when you go on a bender, it's when you go out drinking, you go crazy. Remember that one. I tell a nice story about that one. I also say something very controversial about sob stories. Okay, now a sob story is a story you tell when you want sympathy. Okay, like, oh, I only slept one hour last night and I've got no money where you want people to feel sorry for you. So I say something very controversial about that. Just remember, I was only joking. So enjoy the episode. I will talk to you again at the end. Happy listening. So do you want to tell us what the first thing is that you want to ban from the world and we're going to throw into room 101 so it will no longer be part of this world yeah i'm limbering up i'm getting ready for this get my moan on uh so number one the first thing that i'd like to put into room 101 forever is uh (laughs) booking things in advance or even just making plans more than one week in advance right okay um so my role is obviously to try and play a bit of like devil's advocate yeah and to try and obviously argue against this now i think it there is you make a good point but at the same time sometimes it's practical no uh it's very practical it's the it's probably the most practical thing you can do to book in advance planning more planning your life more than one week in advance (laughs) (laughs) yeah but my issue is that Gone are the days where you can be spontaneous. You cannot go to a good restaurant on the day because you feel like it. Or even a trip. We went to uh, Queenstown, New Zealand, and we were refused entry to multiple places because we wanted to do it spontaneously. And my partner is a booker. She's a planner. And she was just looking, she was looking at me with such evil eyes the whole time. She's like, this is why we don't do it the way you want to do it, Charlie. So, yeah, it frustrates me, though, uh, because. So what things are we talking about here? Because there must be certain things you can't. For example, if you're booking a flight (laughs) (laughs) generally or a wedding, you want to be doing that more than a week in advance yeah i'll give you flights and a wedding that's it that's the only thing those are the only two birthday parties no no i mean yeah right i don't think you need to yeah i don't think you know no big things like that yeah fair enough i'm talking about the the smaller things in life like going for dinner or going to a, a you know, a day's event that doesn't require a huge amount of people gathering to enjoy it. That kind of thing. What do we have a limit of like more than five people you need to book or? Mm. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. More than five people you're allowed to book in advance. Four people, spontaneous life for you. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. And again, I think this represents a lot of the difference between British culture and Italian that here, anytime I try to say something, I talk to my mum and say, oh, we're going to go to a restaurant. And she says, have you booked? Uh And I say, no, do you need to? Uh, Yeah. Like you're an idiot, of course. And that, that is very, very annoying. And recently 
with some friends from university we let's say booked to see each other literally I think two or three months in advance and when I told my wife she basically burst out laughing and said (laughs) what are you doing why do you need to do that does your wife book things plan things no not at all right um Mm. so yeah I think it does kind of represent a big difference in culture and like I said I'm still trying to get used to that as well of how you need to book just to go to the toilet here in the UK (laughs) which imagine that that will probably happen one day but yeah um I think things have exaggerated in the last or uh, it's gotten worse over the last couple of years with COVID um but I've got one friend particularly who absolutely loves to book and to the point where we sit down at the booking at the table that we've booked and the next thing he will talk about so where do you want to book for next time we we meet each other (laughs) and he cannot enjoy the actual moment it just he's just just has to book something he's just talking about the future constantly never about the present and that's what really annoys me is that all of these people that are booking things they don't know how to enjoy life. And the people that know how to enjoy life, they don't know how to enjoy life anymore because they're not able to get in anywhere to enjoy it. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a valid point. And if I think of the best, I wasn't going to say best, I nearly said best days of my life, <laughs> but then that would be excluding things of like the birth of my child because one of the thing that popped into my mind was a day at the pub with a friend so I think maybe to say best day of my life would be a bit on the extreme side but top five the top five yeah. <laughs> uh, one day in particular I remember going to the pub in the morning it was I think maybe 11 o'clock the pub had just opened and we went to see if the football was on that evening and then we said well you know we're here now so so we asked, is the football on? They said, yeah, it's on later. And we said, right, okay. The plan was to then go. But we said, well, we're here now, so let's have a beer. And then we had another one and another one. And then we stayed till 11 p.m. until <laughs> the pub closed. And that was a great day because it was so spontaneous of like, hadn't been planned. We found ourselves in the pub and had a great day. Um, and I think you're right. That is being taken from us yeah yeah that's Um, that's a good example and those those are the things that come up as stories that we tell we don't tell stories oh well we got the flight perfectly at 3 30 and then we landed and we got the booking at five o'clock and it was all perfect absolutely it's boring we all know that it's it's the spontaneous ones A, a friend actually described this very well once when again similar at university and someone was booking something and i remember he turned to me and said there's nothing worse than organized fun. Yeah. <laughs> and he was right. Yeah. There is nothing worse than just let the fun flow. Yeah, okay? that, that's true. Just, yeah. Um, and I live in that world because my partner is a planner. So, yeah, I don't have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the Sounds like a fantastic relationship. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, do, I'm doing your job for you a little bit to counter my argument. And I, but I feel like I need to. Sometimes when I don't, uh, when I'm not with my partner on the weekend and I haven't booked anything, I am a bit bored because I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then I think, hmm, she leads a better life than me. 
Well, let let me give you some advice there. Just go to a pub, <laughs> have a few beers, and just see where it takes you. Good okay? point. <laughs> what on your own? Yeah, on your own. Go. Yeah. Go for it. Do you yeah. do you do that? Um, I have been on a few one man benders. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> One man benders. That is a brilliant phrase. Yeah, I have been known for that. Um, It's generally when I was living in Rome, actually, didn't really have many friends and would often go to the pub on my own to watch football. And if there were two games on that, you know, it's like four or five hours and then you get to the end of that and you're quite drunk. Um, But I must admit, I still generally kept myself to myself. It very much maintained the one man bender. And, but, uh, but some of those days were great. I just remember just going around the city, especially cycling on my bike whilst extremely under the influence of alcohol, but it made cycling so much more fun and I had a great time. So I was definitely having a lot of fun on my own that no one can say the opposite. Those were great days. Yeah. I'm glad that you stuck to yourself. I can imagine people coming up to you and saying, oh, do you want to drink together? You're like, no, I'm on a one-man bender. <laughs> yeah, there's no room at the inn for you, pal. Okay. This is a one-man bender. <laughs> is there any space on your five-man table? No. <laughs> You're ruining the vibe of the one-man bender. Please stay at least two metres away. Exactly. Um, Don't know what shape that five-man table would be, but... Yeah, maybe it's sick. But <laughs> right, okay. So I've, I'm definitely granting you permission for that, though, to put into room 101. Yes. I think we've put some guidelines. Like, if there are less than five people involved, you don't need to book in advance. Just let the fun flow. Good. Okay. So, what about number two? Okay, number two is <laughs> vague cooking instructions. <laughs> um. So as soon as I saw this, I I thought, how have I never thought about this? Because <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, and I, I'm I'm the same. I need literally every single detail, every single step. But do you think it's just our lack of ability to cook, which is the problem? I do think that, yes. But to get to that step, stage of being able to cook, surely everyone needs to follow a recipe and a recipe is instructions on how to cook and instructions are specific. They're not vague. It would be like opening an Ikea flat pack and the instructions are like, uh, put four or five, maybe six screws in one leg and then see if there's enough for the other three. It No, no, I need to know exactly how it's done. And I'm also really bad at um, tasting things. You know, good chefs will taste their mm. food as it goes. But I'm really, I'm really bad at that. I either know that it's tasty or not tasty. And I can't really tell whether it needs more pepper or salt or cheese or Same. whatever. I once, I once eat, ate, sorry, I once ate a garlic bread and thought it was the margarita pizza. It was, <laughs> it was in the, it was in the shape of a pizza, to be fair. <laughs> But I thought that was... Sorry, you ate the whole thing and you thought it was a margarita. You didn't... I thought you were saying just one bite, but you ate the whole thing of garlic bread. I shared it 
I had loads of ma- so mouthfuls. Try, trying to pass the blame as well. There were two of us. <laughs> no, they, they, they knew exactly. They pulled me up on it. They were like, are you joking? Right. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was, yeah, not garlic bread. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, it's difficult for me to try and find arguments against this because I feel exactly the same. And anytime... My wife even maybe, I've actually had times where she's written instructions of like, do this, this and this. But then from like step three to four, there's just something missing. And I'm like, well, how am I going to get to four? You haven't. And then when I tell her, she's like, well, obviously all you had to do was this. Uh, I was like, well. It's obvious to you. Nothing is obvious. Yes, exactly. Um, And yeah, other times as well. Again, what you mentioned of maybe like tasting things. I've cooked something and then she will say, but it's undercooked or it's, it's burnt. Like, how can you not? And I was like, is it? <laughs> oh, now you say that. I can see that. But again, it needs, I need clear. I need the temperature. Like I need everything like perfect. So for example, if she says, um, put it onto like a, a low heat, like I need, I need to know what, yes, what heat. Yes. Yes. I, I agree with you, sir. Yes. Low heat, no. One, two, or three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, I'm actually finding it very difficult to um, to argue. If you if you agree with me, I see I see your struggle. Um, and yeah, I mean, she'll my partner. She'll often say, you know, a dash of this, a sprinkle of that. <laughs> What's a dash? Yeah. yeah. I agree. There's so many vague words or vocabulary, um, yeah, words in cooking vocabulary. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. That again, a very valid point. So, if any writers of cookbooks are listening, please be more specific with your instructions, okay? Um, to to help the likes of uh, me and Charlie here. Um, right, okay. Well, I I can't not put that in, and I'm going to have difficulty as well thinking of arguments against the next one but please tell us what um number three is <laughs> i'm glad that that got in there i'm very happy so far so number three is emotion provoking music on tv shows like <laughs> x factor which is a singing contest i'm sure you're aware of I, uh, listeners um <laughs> I, i'm not sure so x factor exists in italy so in my small brain that means it's internationally known in every country in the world because my logic is if it happens in the UK and Italy, then it happens everywhere, which, which I know is actually not the case. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like a talent show um, where they, they sing and then the winner gets some kind of record deal. But yeah, I haven't watched this show in donkey's years, but I even remember it when it started and there would always be the sob story about um, like, I don't know, like this person's granddad used to watch them and the granddad's died. And I actually thought you, I've actually realized I misread this. I thought you were talking about the actual sob story, not the, not the actual music because I, I don't even like the sob story. I I think like, yeah, I think they, they kind of go hand in hand, but the so- mm. the sob story really annoys me as well. Even when it's a legitimate one, I don't 
really see why they're telling us that yet. <laughs> exactly. And this is exactly what I think because everyone's got a sob story. Yeah. Like everyone's got something sad, I can tell you. And sometimes I, I remember watching it and it was like, oh, I had this, this special T-shirt that he always <laughs> wore. And one day... He lost the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Start sad music now, says producer. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So they do go hand in hand. But uh, I feel like the music part of it is... It's just that extra level of forcing the audience to start to feel that emotion. It's like, right, okay, all right, let's put that sad music in to intensify this feeling because that T-shirt might not be saddening everyone yet. So let's, you know, put that in and then we're all on the same page. But you and me clearly are not. We're annoyed at the TV yeah. set. I, mean, I, I must admit, I do feel bad sometimes where I kind of go, look, no one gives a shit about <laughs> the fact that like <laughs> your brother died or something like that. I'm glad you I, said I it, not been. me. But that's exactly how I feel. I mean, <laughs> and my partner finds that so cruel. She's like, you are a heartless son of a bitch. I mean, I've exaggerated a bit. Although I must admit, when I was younger, I'm not sure if I can fully deny ever saying that. Um, but so, yeah, I, I do feel bad about that. But yeah, I don't like the fact, like you said, that they really try and intensify that with the music it's kind of like something else which i nearly put into room 101 but now it, it it is going out of fashion i think maybe it has is canned laughter on tv shows oh. like because again it's the same thing of like you have to laugh now so you're watching friends for example and then they say something and everyone laughs <laughs> very nice very nice wow look at this uh, yeah that's yeah it's terrible i'd never use that yeah <laughs> i love that that's on your podcast now <laughs> but yeah so that's something i would i would personally put that in with the emotion yeah provoking music yeah i mean um, yeah they're the same kind of um they're they're cut from the same cloth cloth beautiful yeah um i must admit i'm not a good person for this show to argue against things because so many things annoy me that <laughs> i'm not really a, a good person for this yeah i don't think the current guy um frank skinner he's actually a bit more of an optimist than i thought he would be he de he denied talking about dreams he thought that's quite a nice thing to do with friends to talk oh, <laughs> yeah, i knew you'd react like that <laughs> That, that I had forgotten about that. That's one of the worst. That would um, would be right up the top <laughs> because then as well, it, they just want to tell you for so long. Oh, and then and you think, look, for fuck's sake, I couldn't give a monkeys about your stupid dream. <laughs> okay, so that's the end of part one. If you want to hear more 
of Charlie and I moaning, go to rockandrollenglish.com slash family. So at the end of the episode right there, you heard me say I couldn't give a monkeys about your dream. A lovely term to say I don't care about your dream. Some other vocabulary. I said that my role is to play devil's advocate, which is when you have to give, let's say, an opposing opinion just to create debate. When speaking about organising things, Charlie said, yeah, for birthdays, fair enough. Like, that's okay. We spoke about a one-man bender. That was the word there. Um, And I said on my one-man benders, which, remember, I explained earlier in the show, I kept myself to myself. I didn't disturb other people. I didn't want other people. It was a one-man bender. When Charlie told us the story about eating garlic bread thinking it was a pizza, he said the other person who ate it with him pulled him up on it. When you pull someone up on something, you basically say, you know, what are you doing? You can just sometimes let it slide, not say anything. That would be the opposite of pulling someone up on it. We had some cooking vocabulary, a dash, a sprinkle, which means just a little bit. I mentioned how I haven't seen X Factor in donkey's years, so a long time. We spoke about sob stories again. Remember, I was only joking. And Charlie said the sob story and the music go hand in hand. They go together. I spoke about canned laughter as well that we actually heard, didn't we? Fake laughter you hear on TV shows and how it's dated now. It's kind of out of date. It's old fashioned now. And we spoke about how sob story music and canned laughter are cut from the same cloth. They come from the same place. Now, all of this vocabulary is on the website, rockandrollenglish.com. Go to the latest episode. Have a look around the website. It's not a great website because I tried to make it. I'm not good at making websites, but you might find something you like. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. I will talk to you very soon. But in the meantime, just keep on rocking, baby. Thanks so much for listening to Rock and Roll English. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rockandrollenglish. We'll catch you next time.